see now. Our text for today comes out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can see it there. What a beautiful background on a spring day. And that is the title of the message, The Master's Degree, A Christian Alternative to the School Days. That is not a typo. That is not a typo. And I think we all recognize that in some places, and I, I learned a long time ago, I have to qualify just about everything I say in public because somebody's going to come up and say, well, you know, it's not happening here. Well, praise the Lord, and let's pray that it doesn't happen here, what's going on in other places. But in some places, the education system is in a lot of turmoil and in a lot of confusion. Now, the word alternative, and I have to turn these sermons in two or three days ago, and I'm perfecting them for days in my heart, and so a better word here is a Christian response, a Christian response to the school days. And I feel like in my heart that this is a great word for Mother's Day, a family day, where our focus is not just on the mothers, it's on the families, and especially right now, it needs to be on the children, on the children. Let's pray together. Almighty God, this is your word. It's your word. And I just pray that as one that you made the decision to give this word to me to share and give to this precious group and to our radio audience. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that it comes forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, seizes our hearts, teaches us, gives us hope and a path forward in the confusion, the maze, and the daze of the world that we live in. Forgive us of our sins. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Another qualifier that I have to make here is that, so that we all get on the same page, and that is that this is not a message about school choice. You know, at some point along the way, somebody might say, well, he's advocating this or that. Wherever you feel led to send your children to school, to public school, to private school, or to home school, that's your choice. This is not a message on school choice. And I realized a long time ago as a minister that, you know, I don't want any family to feel excluded that possibly we are talking simply to what we would call a t traditional family or a nuclear family, a mother, father, and and as statistics would say, two and a half children. I don't know if any of you <coughs> have half a child, but <coughs> two and a half children. Families from the beginning of time have always come in sizes and shapes. And so my heart is that whatever the nurturing community that you are a part of, that this will be a word. The theme is God give us Christian homes. God give us Christian homes. Homes, And following here, and, and Deuteronomy chapter 6 is one of the great passages of Scripture, and I simply, in an expository way, you see all those headings there. I didn't number them because some of you get discouraged when they see a 25-point sermon, amen? So just relax. You know, we know we can do this. But, and some of these I will spend a few moments on, but some we will just simply make ourselves aware of them. 
God give us Christian homes. And remember now, our home can be an alternative. It can be a response to what is going on out in the world that is so confusing and disturbing. And that Christian home is number one, it is where Jesus is the headmaster. He's the principal, amen? He's the principal of our Christian homes where we are teaching our Christian values. Now Deuteronomy chapter six is Moses reminding the people that when they come into the promised land, they are not to forget how they got there. They are not to forget the goodness of God. They are to adore Him, commit themselves to Him, follow His word, follow His commandments, and it will be well with them. It will be well. And so the very first step toward God giving us Christian homes is that where Jesus, where Almighty God, as in verse 4, Moses tells them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There are no other gods. The Ten Commandments tell us, you know, that, you know, love the Lord your God, you know, worship God. There are no other gods. The Lord is one. And so the beginning of a Christian home is to make that Joshua declaration. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, as they are preparing to go into the promised land, Joshua tells the people, now look, here we are. Now, it's taken us a long time to get here. And when we go into the promised land, you need to make a decision. Are you going to bring with you those idols from, a, from Egypt? Are you going to leave them right here? But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And the people said, we will too. And Joshua said, all right. All right, you better be ready and you better mean it. And that's what, and some, sometimes, and I've got a beautiful piece of needlework uh, at home that a lady from a church did that says, you know, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've had a beautiful situation here over the past four or five weeks, a parent-child dedication. The first Sunday that we did, we had four beautiful families lined across here. And then two weeks ago or so, we had six lovely young families lined across here. And what were they doing? They were declaring and they were dedicating their home to God and that Jesus is going to be the head of our household. Jesus is going to be the head of our household. And we are consecrating our family and our children to the Almighty God. That's the beginning of a Christian home right there, making a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pardon me for a personal privilege, and I do not, uh, this is not about me, but I want to pay honor to my parents here in this moment. Pay honor to my parents, and I just... You know, sometimes I can't figure out how things happen. God has a way that I was not here last Sunday, which was a very, very, very special Sunday in my ministry life. I will make it very brief since we have ground to cover here. 
But that is, before I was born, and I'm the oldest of three boys, as you well know, as I've shared, my parents prayed that God would give them a son who would be a preacher. Now, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about it. They never said a word to me. Never said a word to me about it. And last Sunday, May the 1st, 2022, 56 years ago, May the 1st, 1966, God called me to preach. Wow, 56 years. And I'm telling you, please, I am still working at it, all right? I am working on this. And of all things, my dad was at work that morning, working for Georgia Power. I don't know why it happened like that. They would, he was just a wonderful blue-collar swing shift worker, two days, two evenings, two nights, and two off, and then he would be back. And when he came in that afternoon, I was sitting on the front porch waiting for him, and that's when he told me that they had prayed that God would give him a son who was a preacher. Well, you don't have to pray that God will give you your children or your grandchildren to be a preacher, but oh, how we need to be praying that they would be raised, that they would raise up to be really committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever the capacity, and you know how my mind goes when it goes, and, that is, and I thought I'd say with all these young people and all these babies, somebody needs to start praying that God will give them children who one day will work in the nursery, amen? God give us children that one day will work in the nursery. So we dedicate our home to the Lord. Oh my goodness, a Christian home is one where the curriculum is the Bible. It's the Bible. And that is, here in the next verse, chapter of 6, verse 5, he says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you know the power of this passage of Scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is the essence of what we teach our children. You know how the scribes tried to trap Jesus and ask him which is the greatest of the commandments. Because if he identified one, then they would catch him as not being faithful to all of them. And that's when Jesus said, all the law and the prophets are summed up. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then he pulled out of Leviticus, chapter 14, chapter 19, verse 18, and your neighbor as yourself. In this chapter is the essence of what we need to be honoring and teaching in our homes. In this curriculum, there is a statement about theology, and that is, that to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is the essence of our faith. God is love, and because He is love, we love Him. You say, I don't know how to teach my children. I don't know what to, what to say to them. Keep it as simple as Jesus did, amen. Jesus was not complicated. Jesus, Jesus was just very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We first love God. We love God because He first loved us. That's the theology. You say, I don't understand theology. That's all the theology that you have to know right there. And that is love God. 
Tom Rainer in his book, The Simple Church, says it's as simple as this, love God, love the world, and serve others. That's it. That's it. In this passage here, there is instruction on morality, so desperately needed in our world today. Moses reminds them in verses 16 through 19, don't tempt the Lord your God. Keep his commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes, which he's commanded. And verse 18, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. You shall do what is right and what is good. Fascinating revelation this past week. Fascinating. One of our devotions, I think it was, is it, it was Friday night in the open windows. And it was in Genesis about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, as long as I've been to school and as many commentaries as I have, I don't think I'd ever seen it stated like this. The writer of that little four-paragraph devotion said that when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and told them of the tree of life you may eat and of all the other in the garden you may eat. But that one right there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that which is good, that which is wrong, you may not eat. Why? And this author said, because that tree represents God's moral authority. You got it? I'm gonna give it to you. God decides right from wrong, friends. Not us. It's not our place. God has set his commandments. He has set his statutes. He has set his testimonies. He has told us what is right and what is wrong. And it is not our place. It was not Adam and Eve's place to try to take God's moral authority of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is what is wrong in America and our world today. We have turned it upside down and that which is wrong, we are saying is right. And that which is right, the world is saying wrong. Hallelujah. Amen, Bill. This was Satan's problem. I'll be God. Adam Eve's problem. We will be like God. And I'm only going to talk about our nation, America. We will be God. And that book that came out so long ago that says, Why can't Johnny read and write? And then later it says, There was another book that says, Why can't Johnny tell right from wrong? Our home. God give us Christian homes where Jesus is the head of it and where we love him with all our being and where we follow his word, which is what's good for us, and then we need to be teaching them from the Bible history. You say, what are you talking about? Verses 20 through 25 of this passage says, when your son asks you in time, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which, are, which the Lord our God has commanded you? Think about this. As they go into the land, as they develop in the land, they have the testimonies of God, they have the Ten Commandments, they have places of worship, 
where they have built altars, they have teachings of truths, and I can't help but a play on word here. And what this is saying here is that when your children want to know, how did we get here? Where did we come from? Then you tell them, we were slaves in Egypt. We were slaves in Egypt. And God came and got us. And God did great signs and wonders. And God brought us into this land. And God gave us this land. And God has commanded us to observe all these statues. There's three kinds of history that we need to be teaching our children. And the first one is God's history. The working of God from the beginning of time to redeem us and forgive us of our sins in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and a home in heaven. But there's another history that we need to be teaching our children, and that's American history, friends. Not revisionist history. And when it says what mean these statutes, that really means teachings. But I'm telling you, friend, when they pull down the last statue that commemorates American history, we are truly doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. Amen. Nobody can ever say, well, Daddy, what does this mean? Well, son, that just reminds us of a terrible time in our nation's history. We don't glorify. We learn from it. We, our children need to know how we got here. And then our children need to know our spiritual history. One of the things that I, I get so sad about and that is that I and, I, and who thinks about this? I know my parents got saved in Lake Mont Baptist Church. I know they were baptized in the cold waters of Tiger Creek. But oh, how I wish I knew who preached. And how I wish I knew how God moved on their hearts. And how I wish I knew their spiritual history. Tell, tell your children, tell your grandchildren how you came to know Jesus Christ. That's the curriculum. God give us Christian's homes where Jesus is the headmaster, he's the principal, and where the word of God is the curriculum. And these next two can be taken together. And that is where the teachers are the parents. And where the students are your children. Amen? We're talking about the home here. Now, look, y'all need to get with it. Or I'm going to make you stay for 1030. Tell you. Did y'all miss me last week? No. Dr. Haynes, he covered well. I know it. Eric Dyer, he covered well. Listen. When it comes to the home, the parents are the teachers. When it comes to the home, the students are the teachers. Charles Stanley preached a sermon years ago that parents are trainers in resident. And he preached a sermon on Mother's Day one time that was entitled Mother's Little Helper. And Mother's Little Helper was the Holy Spirit in raising those children. And Proverbs 22, 6 is that passage, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he was old, he will not depart from it. That is not a promise, but that is a probability that a kid raised right will go right. And if you've ever wondered what the logo on the front of your bulletin is for children's ministry, it's a train. Train up a child. And the engine is number 226, Proverbs 
Proverbs 22, 6 about training up a child in the way that he should go. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Then it says, fathers, don't provoke your children, but raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. James Dobson says that the most important part of a relay race is the passing of the baton. You drop it, you got to go back and get it, and you lose time. And he said, in a family, the most important part is the passing of the baton of faith in Jesus. Most important part of us as teacher parents is to help our children come to know Jesus Christ. The students are your children. Can you believe that we are living in a day where there's a debate over parental rights? Can you believe it? All I got to say to them is get out of my home. Get out of my home. Get out of my home. You know, these are my children. I will teach my children. These are my God-given rights. And I do not abdicate it. Now I'm watching my time. And I just got to say this. I'm going to tell you. And I don't know how to say it because I don't want to be, you know, well, I don't know what I am. I'm so disappointed in Disney. Disappointed. When I was five years old, Mickey Mouse was my hero. We didn't have all these weird looking action figures. Mickey Mouse was my hero. I remember the first television that came into my house. I love it, teenagers. Yes, I actually came before there was TV. And I remember when that huge Sears truck pulled up in front of the house and they raised that back gate and there was this little 19 inch black and white and I think they called them silver tone or whatever TVs. And brought them in, brought it in, set it up. I'm sitting in the floor of the den waiting and praying while my dad and a neighbor are putting up an antenna. And I thought this morning, what was the problem? They knew the TV was coming. Why wasn't the antenna already up, right? And I'm praying that the TV would be on by five o'clock for the Mickey Mouse Club. And it was. My first pet, a little dog. I named him Mickey. You hear me? And then I was an adult before I ever got to Disney World. I was pastoring in Waycross. Uh, uh, Suzanne, the oldest, was up around six years old or so. So we went down to Disney World, and I don't mind telling you that when that parade came and here came Mickey down that street, I got all choked up. (laughs) And in my heart, I'm saying, will the last family out of Disney World please bring Mickey and Minnie because they're in danger now. They are in danger. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful place for families and Disney needs to stay out of our homes and stay out of the electric, stay out of the education system and just bring us good family entertainment, you know? That's what they need to do.
And if my kids come and say, Daddy Bill, we've never been to Disney World, let's go. You know what, we're going. I'm not letting those weirdos in the head office stop my children from enjoying that. And I think about what was I taught in school. I can't remember everything. Math, English, reading, writing, spelling, history, literature, science, this is going through high school, civics, language, typing. I may have left something out, I don't know. But you know my faith was never brought up. My morality was never brought up. And my sexual identity was never brought up. And I think I turned out normal, you know? Listen, we're the teachers, the students are our children when it comes to these sensitive areas of life and not the government and not corporations and not Wall Street. Amen? It's ours. The classroom is everywhere. Notice verses six through nine. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Pretty clear. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Where do we teach our children? We teach them everywhere that we go. All of life is a classroom that we can apply the truths of our faith. When we're sitting at home, children are curious. They will just off the wall ask some question. And I think that apologist verse of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, not only applies to those who challenge the faith, but I think it applies to all of us who have been asked to explain our faith. And so when our children begin to talk about faith and all, sitting at home, it comes up, the TV is on, they ask about things that are going on in the world, what's the problem here? We need to be ready to give them the Christian answer. It says also that as you are walking by the way, which means you are out and about, be prepared there to share your faith. In one of James Dobson's book, he talks about when his children were young, his oldest, a daughter, Danae, his youngest, a son, Ryan, they now are carrying on the legacy of Focus on the Family. And he tells that they were out one day, Danae was sitting in the front seat, the older, Ryan was in the back, and they were passing through a part of town, and Danae looked over, and there was a theater with three X's in front of it. And she said to her daddy, now, they show dirty movies, right? And Dr. Dobson said, yes, honey, they do. From the back, Ryan said, why would anybody want to go see a movie where they're spitting on each other? <laughs> Obviously, his mother had told him, Ryan, spitting is dirty. Don't do that. Well, it was a teaching moment. And Dr. Dobson seized it. And when our children go to bed that night, 
we pray with them. When they get up in the morning, we wish them a good day in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he points out that our faith can be a fashion statement. They would wear emblems of their faith all over them, but the problem is, is they were not honoring them. And then he talks about decorating your home with statements of your faith. God give us Christian homes and the classroom is everywhere and then we hasten to the discipline, truth or consequences. Verses 12 through 15, God tells them that when you get in the land, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget who brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget who brought you into this good land. Don't go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. Don't do that, lest God's judgment come upon you. Our families need to know that there are consequences for violating the truths of God. There are consequences. I'll always remember Adrian Rogers' sermon on the law of the harvest. Based on Galatians 6, God is not mocked. Whatsoever we sow, that shall we reap. If we reap to the flesh, we reap corruption. But if we reap to the Spirit, we reap life everlasting. And Adrian Rogers said of the harvest, we reap what we sow. We reap later than we sow. And we reap more than we sow. And America is reaping what it has sown for the last 60 years. But I'm telling you, friend, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the homes, mothers, and fathers, significant others, grandparents, whoever is head of that nurturing community has the answer to the needs of our families and our nation. Then there comes the graduation, and that's the opening verses. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may not fear the Lord your God, keep all his statutes and commandments which I command you, you and your son, your grandson, all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you and a land flowing with milk and honey. Who does not want to send our children out to live the good life with the master's degree? Amen. To live the good life of the master's degree. Well, whew. This is the answer, friends. It, it, it's the home. It's the home. God give us Christian homes. We sing a hymn of invitation and however God touches